This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Visit bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 83rd ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording, once again, from our own homes. I always um, mess up the intro right there because it, you know, it's just a, a break in the action. So um, I'm Cameron Albert, and I'm joined once again for the 83rd time by my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron. Just uh, being an American hero by staying home uh, feels good. Uh, how about you? Yeah, I'm doing well. I uh, I can only be a hero when it comes to the podcast because, unfortunately, I still am uh, deemed essential and, and go to work uh, just about every day. So, um, But we're doing our part as far as the podcast goes by... Uh, Doing everything remotely now for the third week, so uh, hopefully we're not still doing this by the time we get to episode 100, but uh, you never know, we may have to each have a uh, 100-episode celebration cake uh, in the comfort of our own homes. <laughs> uh, no Drew Locke this week, he was busy, um, we tried to get him on, but we, yeah, you know, we didn't want to push it, you know, two weeks is pretty good, so uh, no Drew Locke this week, but... Uh, I mean, we'll see. We'll, it won't be the last we've seen of Drew Locke, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, Kyle, the audio Cameron, listeners producer, are like, "What?" Oh yeah, you got to go to YouTube if you want to see Drew Locke. He doesn't. He doesn't speak very much. Um, Kyle, producer Cameron and I played a match of uh, 2K basketball, and the Missouri Tigers they they, they put a hurting on uh, on producer Cameron's Louisville Sluggers. That's what um, I like to hear. Yeah, uh, Drew Smith. You know, played his efficient brand of hard-nosed defense and, uh, you know, just made the right plays that needed to be made and pulled out the win. Did you make his, How, uh, like, his post moves at, like, 100, like, 100 rating? Oh, he, he's got some he's got some up and under moves, you know, some post fadeaways, mm. uh, pump fakes that, you know, very reminiscent of the real-life Drew Smith. It's hard so. to guard. Yeah. Um, we might... We might see each other in the playoffs, so if I if I can if I can sneak into the playoffs, we're gonna get ourselves a playoff series out of it. So we'll see. Maybe the maybe the one eight matchup in the playoffs. <laughs> if you somehow become the seven seed, then I'll just like tank a little bit to get the two seed. I can just tank a little bit to get the eight seed. I don't care. <laughs> All right, that works too. Um, I think Kyle. I think you and I might meet in the uh, NBA Finals, and if, if the uh, CPU doesn't knock one of us off, it's very possible. Gotta watch out for the Lakers. That's true. Yeah, they're good. Uh, Kyle, we've got some. This is gonna be a mostly news uh, episode. There's plenty to talk about, and uh, we can elaborate on some of these topics a little bit. Um, do you want to start with football or basketball? Uh, I don't care. Oh, well, thanks for helping me make a decision. Uh, let's start with basketball then. Okay. Uh, basketball news. Uh, Mizzou was kind of in on graduate transfer from Arkansas, Jalen Harris. 
and he has announced on Twitter that he will be joining the Georgetown Hoyas. Uh, I think Patrick Ewing is the coach over there. Yeah, he so is. So they're getting their se- themselves a guard. Yeah, um, th- th- I think that was a transfer for, for Missouri that never really made sense to me, at least personally. Um, he, he, I think Missouri needs to go for somebody who can just put the ball in the hoop and uh, who somebody that gives us a scoring uh, spark because obviously that's been the struggle for the past two years now. So, and I, I just don't think that uh, Jalen Harris was that guy. I think he averaged three or four points a game at Arkansas. He he's a good passer. He uh, had two or three assists a game, but I I just don't I don't think that was the uh, ideal spot. Um, for Missouri to make a move, personally, um, I think there's a lot of better options out there. Yeah, I think uh, Jalen Harris would have been a guy you had to take in addition to a guy like Justin Turner. Mm-hmm. I think just just a Jalen Harris. I mean, that's adding depth at a spot where you know Drew Smith and Xavier Pinson can hold down the point guard spot and run the offense just fine. I don't think they necessarily need any more depth there. Now, it wouldn't hurt to, you know, add a guy that can handle the ball in a pinch and create some offense for others. But like you said, Mizzou is really in need of a guy that can can make some offense for himself and go get a bucket. And uh, from his time at Arkansas, Jalen Harris just wasn't really that guy. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of Justin Turner, um, man, it seems like Mizzou is all in on Justin Turner. And they should be. Yeah. At, yeah, rightly so. And, you know, we're thankful that everybody's in agreement here. And it seems like the coaching staff is in agreement that uh, they're making him a priority. Um, I wanted to mention um, Matt Harris of Rock M Nation uh, reached out to uh, Justin Turner. And then he shared a little bit of information on Twitter and let me pull that up real quick. He also uh, published a really good article on rockmnation.com. So be sure to go check that out for more information. But a couple of things he said um, on Twitter regarding Conzo Martin. Turner said, quote, he's a great person and a great leader. Um, and he uh, specifically mentioned Cassius Robertson uh, as being you know, somebody that had really good success as a one-year transfer under Martin. Um, he said he likes how Mizzou spaces the floor, and he noticed the Tigers will push uh, the ball and uh, pick up the tempo when it's advantageous. And he said he likes that uh, Mizzou uses multiple ball handlers. And as far as a timeline, he said it's fluid. And if it's if he's able to take visits, which the way things are going, it doesn't really seem like he'll be able to, then he'll uh, use that to gather more information. But if he can't get a visit, that will not be a deal breaker. So some good information there. And like I said, really good article on rockemnation.com if you want more information about Turner as a player. Uh, at this point, yeah, Missouri needs to be all in on him, and I really hope uh, they can pull out a commitment with him. Yeah, I listened to a short podcast actually with uh, an interview with Justin Turner with uh, John Goodman, uh, Jeff Goodman uh, from ESPN. Actually, I don't even know if he works for ESPN anymore. I probably should have looked that up. But uh, anyways, John Goodman. John Goodman never worked for ESPN, but he's a good actor. <laughs> I knew I was gonna get that mixed up. 
Uh, Jeff Goodman. Um, I don't know who he works for. Anyways, um, it was a pretty good podcast uh, with an interview with Justin Turner. Uh, he's definitely it's a different kind of recruiting battle um, than you might think for like a like a guy coming out of high school probably wants the the, the best offer. I'm using air quotes. Um, being probably just the program with the most prestige, you know, a, a Duke or a North Carolina or or whatever that a program like that. Um, but I think a guy who's who's a little bit older has been through the recruiting process, has been through a few years of college basketball, is potentially looking for something different, and that's uh, obviously immediate playing time. You know, the X and O's, if you will, they're probably looking at um, at, at the recruiting situation a little bit differently. So I think that that. Uh, gives Missouri a chance here because you know I obviously Conzo Martin um, really just an incredible guy um, can really just relate to recruits um, and I think that just they're going to look at his style of play and and what can um, you know what they've done in the past to offer me and how can I make an impact and I just think that uh, I enjoyed listening to Justin Turner talk just because I, I think it it reassured me that I think Missouri's got a shot and he specifically mentioned Conzo Martin as a guy who had been recruiting him and, and liked how he had been recruiting him so um, it definitely feels like Missouri is is in the mix for sure here not that we didn't already know that but um, I, I really think Missouri's got a shot yeah it's good to hear that uh, he specifically talked about or mentioned Conzo Martin recruiting him um, I liked that he was aware of the success that Missouri had um, with Cassius Robertson. And I mean, you just specifically with Cassius Robertson, it, it makes me think of that team and how they had him and Jordan Barnett and even Jonte Porter, who when things weren't going well and, you know, you just needed a bucket, you could kind of just kick it out to those guys and they could make it, make something happen whether it was three-point shooting from all three of them or even Cassius getting to the rim, Barnett cutting for a dunk, uh, Jonte's passing ability. They had – the offense was so much more dynamic with those three. And aside from, you know, Drew Smith being able to make some things happen in the paint, um, I don't know, they just don't have those kind of guys, especially uh, when you talk about three-point shooting that can just go get a bucket when you need it. For sure, and I wonder if we may have unrealistic expectations uh, after watching Cassius Robertson just come right in and pretty pretty much immediately inject instant offense into that team. Um, I don't know how common that is for uh, a graduate transfer to just come in and, and be like pretty much the best player on a really good team. Um, it may not be that common, so you know, if we, even if we did land Justin Turner, um, I'm not sure that it would be as seamless as a transition as. He's, Cassius Robertson was, but absolutely would be an instant start from day one and could, you know, potentially help us win, I don't know, three more games, three to five. Would that be probably not five, but, um, you know, I think you get the point that definitely he would add um, a great scoring threat that is currently not on the roster. Yeah, and. I mean, yeah, three games. I mean, that's kind of, you know, last week we toyed around with what a difference three games can make in the course of a season. And three games seems like a lot, but that's just a handful of possessions where you just, you know, can't get a basket when you need one. Or, you know, you've got a guy that is just not the not the offensive threat that you need out there. 
You know, you think of like uh, uh, Torrance Watson or Javon Pickett when they're getting a lot of these minutes on the wing and sometimes they're just a liability on offense and you just need a guy in there that can reliably um, make a basket. And Xavier Pinson showed that towards the end of the season, but, you know, that was still a relatively small sample size. Can he harness that for the entire season next year and beyond? Who knows? Is there going to be a beyond for him? Who knows? Yeah, it's a good point. Um, he really came on at the end of last season. Um, who knows if he's going to be able to sustain uh, the production that he had. Um, I would certainly hope so. Um, I think a lot of it was I, – I, I tend to think that, that that skill and that talent was always there. He just kind of needed the confidence boost to go out and do it. He kind of just needs somebody to say, like, okay, nobody else is going to do this if you don't if you don't just start attacking 100% of the time, which is kind of what he did. So – um, but yeah, yeah, we, um, we knew the skill was there. I mean, there was, there was plenty of plays that he made even as a freshman where, you know, you saw those flashes and you're like, okay, there's something there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we've talked about it, you know, for the last, I don't know, three months about, not three months, but for quite a while that, you know, he just kind of unlocked something that we knew was there, but maybe we just didn't realize how readily available it was for him to tap into. Um, but I was kind of joking about, him not uh, about his future being uncertain just because uh, I was trying to use that as a segue to talk about him and Jeremiah Toman and Mitchell Smith all entering their names uh, into the NBA draft and that used to mean they were not coming back to college but uh, things have changed and they players with eligibility remaining still have the ability now uh, for the last few years to enter their name in the draft, get feedback, go through the process, be evaluated a little bit by uh, the NBA and scouts and professionals, and still retain their eligibility so they can come back to Missouri and finish out their careers, you know, play one more season. Uh, We know Jeremiah Tillman's already gone through this process once, so it's really just a no-risk thing for the player. There's literally no downside to it. Um, So I'm honestly not exactly sure why, if any player has any hopes of going to the NBA why don't they all just do this I mean maybe there's a cap and maybe you know if the, if too many do it then maybe it loses something but I think I saw last year you know there's only two rounds in the NBA draft so that's 60 spots and last year like 170 players put their name in uh, in the early period to be evaluated uh, so that's obviously way more than the draft can handle yeah, I agree with you that I would assume all three of these guys are coming back. Um, you know, Penson, he is, he's a really bright future, and, and there's more ways than just the NBA to play basketball professionally. Um, you can always, you know, make good money playing overseas. I'm not sure that you leave college after your sophomore year to go play overseas, but um, maybe if you just really want that paycheck, that's what you do. Um, and Jeremiah Tillman, we've known, you know, that maybe he wouldn't come back for a year or two now. Um Maybe he's just done with college. I don't know. But I, I agree with you. I think it seems like most of uh, all three of these guys are coming back uh, for at least one more year. And, and yeah, I don't, I don't know why more guys don't just go through the process, get some feedback, see what happens. Um, you know, I, I kind of saw some people criticizing uh, these guys for doing this on Twitter, and I, I just don't really understand why they wouldn't. Um, I, I don't think any, any of these three guys would reasonably tell you, like, yeah, I'm ready to – playing the, in the NBA right now 
um, but it's more about getting the feedback to uh, to understand how I can get there or how how can I be ready to do that someday. Yeah, and, yeah. Anybody that I think there's plenty of people maybe that just don't quite understand the new rules and the new concept. Right. Um, anybody that you know kind of has any negative feelings at all. I mean, there's it's literally. I, I don't think there's any downside to it. I think it's completely risk free just to put your name out there and you know maybe maybe some Mizzou fans are being a little bit selfish and just are you know they see something like this get a little bit scared that you know part of the future of the team is maybe looking to be done but I don't really think that's the case I think it's just like I said just doing your due diligence as a player to um, take advantage of any opportunities that are out there I mean that's like you know if you uh, these players are hoping to be able to make a career out of this and so if you were if you're in college and you're you know these players for for the most part they're majoring in basketball you know the ones that are trying to go pro they're majoring in basketball so that they can continue their career in that field so if you were majoring in business and you have an opportunity to get feedback from a marketing firm about you know your skills why would you not do that and then go back to school and work on those things yeah almost like an internship or something yeah um yeah absolutely i have I agree with you. It's probably just people that are selfish or just don't understand exactly what it means by them declaring for the draft. Because um, I just don't think any of those three guys are are thinking they're ready to make the move. Yeah, but those, yeah, those comments that were like, you know, kind of laughing at them, like, uh, are these guys serious? There's no way they're pro ready or something. It's like, yeah, not, yeah I don't think. I'm like sure they said, know. I don't, yeah, I don't think they think that. <laughs> yeah. But you know, on the off chance, I mean, I think back to like. Uh, uh, Nick Claxton from Georgia, he uh, had eligibility remaining and entered his name out there and got excellent feedback. And I think that feedback did spur him on into staying in the draft and, you know, ending up in the NBA. So it can work that way for guys. Yeah. If the, if the scouts and stuff, I, I'm not, honestly, I'm not even sure who does the evaluating in this process, but um, if they just see, you know, some raw potential and a guy with the skills that the NBA is looking for but maybe he's kind of a diamond in the rough situation they'll let the player know and then that'll you know go a long ways towards informing their decision about whether to stay in the draft or not yeah and these players have until June 6th I believe to uh formally withdraw from the draft so still there's plenty of time for them to uh, make a decision and so we'll we'll sit tight for now but yeah not super worried about any of these guys leaving immediately uh, for the NBA draft. Would you agree with that? I would absolutely agree with that. Uh, let's see here. Um, you mentioned to me uh, recruiting about a recruiting dead period. Was that for all recruiting or specific to a certain sport? Um... Uh, it was it was in specific to football just because of the the timing of, of the recruiting calendar basically i gotcha. believe they're suspending all football recruiting stuff till may 31st okay but then that was all the basketball news i had um one i was looking at you know what transfers are still out there um it doesn't seem like at this point we're going to hear a new name that missouri is in on uh one guy i don't know if you saw much on 
Uh, it was actually a transfer from Illinois, and I don't think he's a graduate transfer. He's a traditional transfer. Uh, let me get his name here. Shooting guard? Yeah. Let's see here. Alan Griffin. Mm -hmm. Missouri is not, uh, has, as far as I know, has not reached out to him. He's already like trimmed his list to like five or six schools. Missouri's not one of them, but man, maybe a missed opportunity there. Maybe he just wasn't interested in uh, coming over to Missouri, but that re he really seemed like uh, the type of scoring guard wing player that uh, we were talking about with uh, Justin Turner and even Josh Christopher as somebody that can inject this instant offense. So he's looking at uh, some pretty big schools, Syracuse, Dayton, Miami, uh, among others. So that was just a name that I was like, man, I wish Missouri maybe should have reached out to him. Uh, two things on Alan Griffin. Um, the first thing is I think I saw on one of his schools that he on, on the list that he cut was Texas. Oh, why mm -hmm. would you want to transfer from like a decent a pretty good Big Ten team to go play at Texas. I don't okay, what? I'm, there's more than just winning games, but uh, th that make these decisions for people. But uh, the other thing is, I'm pretty sure Alan Griffin was the guy who got a little chippy with Mark Smith at the end of the Bragging Rights game this year. Oh, uh, okay. So I just guy. I'm not sure that that would have been something that could happen. Uh, Maybe not a great fit. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. We can't steal all of uh, all of Illinois players because some of them yeah. have actual bad blood. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I was just like, I saw the raw numbers and I was like, well, it worked with, you know, uh, Tillman, Mark Smith. Uh, I did Pickett. the same thing. I, you know, that's, I mean, that's the first thing you do as a fan, especially when, whenever you see some of these names and, uh, and, uh, that would fill a need. You're like, okay, I'm, I'm on board. Let's like, how can it. we get this guy? So, <laughs> yeah. but well, yeah, when we dug a little deeper, probably, probably not going to work out. All right. I'm glad you, uh, you had some research there for me. Uh, that's all I had for basketball. Though, anything else you want to say about uh, transfers or anything recruiting or anything? Um, I I think that I saw a report. There was like 500 plus names in the transfer portal right now, um, and I think that they expect that name to potential that that number to go up by potentially double. So it wouldn't shock me if uh, which seems insane. Uh, which it wouldn't shock me if you know there's some more new names that surface um, over the next you know week or two. Um, but it would be nice if Missouri just gets their guy and Justin Turner and kind of shuts down grad transfer uh, activity and, and maybe they get a traditional transfer. But um, I wouldn't be shocked if we still hear a few more names over the course of the next few weeks. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, switching gears then to football and specifically former Tigers in the NFL. Uh, Blaine Gabbert is returning to Tampa Bay. Uh, where he previously played to be the backup for Tom Brady. So, yes, Blaine Gabbert is still in the NFL, and he's um, maybe not by his own choice. He's taking the uh, Chase Daniel route and just, you know, kind of bouncing around the league and being a backup, which there's nothing wrong with that. Chase Daniel proved you can have a wonderful career, uh, not starting very many games. And who better to sit behind on the bench than Tom Brady? Yeah, um, I guess you're right. Um, Blaine Gabbert has definitely not had the NFL career that he probably hoped for, but still making millions of dollars to uh, live out a lot of people's dreams, probably. So, um, you know, he he had a lot of hype coming into his his NFL career. He was drafted pretty highly and kind of has that, at least at the time, he had that prototypical NFL quarterback uh, body that, that, you know, scouts were looking for. And um, he's a tall, athletic guy with a big arm, so... Um, 
John Elway kind of, probably really liked him. <laughs> yeah, it obviously kind of reminds me of uh, Drew Locke's build a little bit. Um, yeah, so he's never really uh, had – he never really stuck anywhere in the NFL, but um, – and I don't even know how old he is at this point, honestly, but um, he's probably on the back half of his career. But uh, that should be an interesting spot for him to sit behind Tom Brady for sure. Yeah, sit behind Tom Brady who, you know, he can't have that many more years left. And then maybe you step into a role where you're throwing to Mike Evans and um, Chris Godwin. So It's true. You know. I mean, if something uh, were to happen to Tom Brady for whatever reason and, and he steps in there, he's got some pretty elite talent around him, at least on the offense, uh, that might uh, help him look pretty good. Yeah. What, that's just kind of what do you think about Tom Brady for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just man that seems like the most random thing that's like you know that is exactly uh, Joe Montana to the Chiefs that's like the same thing basically yeah I gotta admit I don't really understand um, the move uh, you know there's a, I'm sure there's a lot going on behind closed doors potentially uh, at New England Um but, you know, I feel like if I'm the greatest quarterback of all time and I have all these rings, um, I'm probably just going to finish out my career where I am. And especially as old as he is, uh, I can't have that many, too many seasons left, I wouldn't think. So, um, I don't know. But it, I guess he just wanted to prove that he could do it somewhere else with a different coach. Um, and yeah, we'll maybe see so. how it goes. Yeah, still weird. Um, it'll be weird seeing him. I've seen some good photoshops, though, and even that looks weird. It'll be weird seeing him in a Tampa Bay uniform on Sundays, but oh well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't love him being in the NFC South either, although, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I enjoyed uh, Jameis Winston giving the Panthers the ball an extra five times per game. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think Tom Brady's going to be really uh, doing that. And as I've noted before, uh, the Panthers are going to need all the help they're gonna, they can get uh, next season, especially on defense. At this point, um, I think I'm just uh, hoping that the season starts on time. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's uh, that's a valid concern, I would say, despite can what they, uh, despite just, what D, uh, Dabo Sweeney says. Can they just play the games without fans? Like, I, I would be completely satisfied with it, at least that. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, I guess, yeah, if you test all the teams, I mean, people would be upset maybe justifiably if all these uh nfl players with no symptoms got tests then you know i don't know the teams would have to be like quarantined together all the time basically yeah. you would probably have to test them like what like couple every couple weeks or even yeah i don't know Cause even even two teams yeah two teams and and tv crews and stuff i mean you're talking about you know, even without fans, you're probably talking about 200 people in the in the stadium. Yeah. For for one game, so man, I just don't know. Maybe uh, maybe they can all just get together and play Madden against each other, like uh, NBA <laughs> players are doing tonight. Uh, other former Tigers making news in the NFL: Alden Smith, uh, blast from the past. There, haven't heard from him in a while. He has signed, I believe, a one-year deal with the Dallas Cowboys. And that's a name I haven't heard in a while. Yeah, Alden Smith, obviously a Mizzou legend. Uh, he had the single-season sacks record until Shane Ray came along, and he was dynamite as a 
first and second year player in the NFL with the San Francisco 49ers. He was on their squad when they lost to Joe Flacco and the Ravens in the Super Bowl. Um, and I think he had the, he has the record for most sacks in the player's first two seasons. I think he's third most sacks in a player's first three seasons in the NFL. So he was off to an incredible start to his career. Mm-hmm. Um, legal troubles. I, I honestly, I can't even remember the different things if there if there were arrests or drug tests or what. So I, I can't speak too specifically on on that. What sort of derailed his career? Seems like um, a lot of them were DUIs. I think, but who knows? It, it was yeah. a lot of different stuff. But and yeah. the same thing I, with him on his age. I mean, I feel like he's got to be on the back half of his career age-wise at this point, too. I would think he's probably in the 32 to 35 range, maybe. Uh, you might be surprised. Uh, maybe Producer Cameron can can tell us how old he, how old he is. But, uh, I mean, he was in the NFL as a... Uh, we're talking about Alden Smith. Uh, he was in the NFL as a 23-year-old and had five seasons away or so I'd say he's 29 or 30 I'd say he's probably 30 years old he, and producer Cameron says he is 30 years old so I guess that makes sense and didn't yeah. you also say Blaine Gabbert was 30 interesting yeah looks like it yeah and that also makes sense because they played together at Mizzou yeah um, but I just he was so fun to watch at Mizzou he was really fun to watch uh for the 49ers he uh tried to uh, i think he was with the raiders most recently and that didn't work out (laughs) but when he's when he's on i mean he's one of the best edge rushers potentially the nfl has ever seen at least that's what he showed in his first three seasons he was definitely um on track to have that kind of uh, legendary status for sure yeah, and it's not even I I think I don't even think you can say small sample size really with him. I mean, 3 seasons worth of snaps. Yeah. And he was right there with the best to ever do it as far as uh rushing the passer. I know, it's so disappointing that he couldn't just stay in the league somehow, figure out a way to be- yeah. just uh behave well enough to stay on a roster. Yep. Unfortunately, we do see those stories from time to time. Uh let's see here. So that recruiting uh, dead period that was extended for football, um, it seems kind of odd to me that... So can you give me some more details? I'm not, I don't know much about uh, the recruiting calendar when it comes to these things. So is there uh, just a restriction altogether on contacting recruits at all? I think it's mainly just in-person stuff. I think they can okay. uh, continue to contact them as much as they want as long as it's not anything in person so obviously we're not having any official or unofficial visits uh or you know in-house visits or anything like that but um i still think that that could slow down the recruiting cycle a little bit you know with the new um signing period moving up to december a few years ago that's definitely accelerated everything it seemed like we were getting a lot of commits in like may and june as opposed to maybe a month or two after that um in the past so it seems like we had a lot of commits last summer in like the may june area so um we may not see that the class come together as quickly um but then again it seems like coach drinkwitz is a little bit more aggressive recruiter 
than Barry Odom was, so maybe we still will see um, quite a few guys hop on uh, earlier than we've seen in the past, so who knows. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how this uh, affects the amount of commitments just for Mizzou and Nationwide. And then specifically for uh, Mizzou football, it was reported they have fulfilled uh, most of the uh, recruiting restrictions or sanctions uh, related to football recruiting um, from the sanctions that were handed down by the NCAA. So I think, correct me if I'm wrong, the only thing that they have to deal with going forward is just scholarship uh, reductions? Pretty much, yeah. So I think that they had a seven-week period where they were not allowed to um, communicate with the recruits at all. That was no visits, and an, I it might have been no communication. Um, it was I'm not exactly sure on those details, but I know for sure it was seven weeks of recruiting restrictions. Uh, yeah, apparently those have already been uh, served or very close to it. Um, so yeah, the only thing that we really have to worry about going forward is that uh, the football team can only have 81 scholarships instead of 85. Well, it's good to at least get most of that uh, in the rearview mirror. Um, obviously, yeah. that was a mess. Still, yeah, still frustrating that uh, the the punishments were handed out the way they were. Um, and four scholarships is still four scholarships. I mean, that's mm-hmm. not it's not the end of the world, but it's also you know just something that's gonna hinder the football team a little bit. You know, and that's why we see you know some things like uh, uh, Chance Looper maybe being a, a a walk-on you know I don't know maybe they try to swing something like that if even if there weren't uh, these restrictions but it's gonna you think about that kind of stuff even more as a staff I would assume when you're dealing with that kind of thing yeah for sure and I the four four scholarships probably won't be the end of the world but like you said it still makes you get creative potentially it's still you still have to uh, try and squeeze everybody in and or figure out figure out a way to make it work yeah uh speaking of walk-ons preferred walk-ons i saw potentially maybe a preferred walk-on situation uh commitment with a wide receiver from arkansas Jaden nash yeah um it looks like he committed on twitter yesterday uh yesterday evening um and i even kind of tweeted something about that just kind of making everybody aware that he appeared to be committing but you know the normal news outlets um had not been reporting it yet um i couldn't really find much information on him you know he hadn't really been re- recruited by uh, any other like power five schools or anything like that i think a lot of his other offers were like fcs level and stuff like that so um it was a little bit of confusion but i think it was eventually reported that he is confirmed going to be a uh, preferred walk-on and I think he was a 2020 guy, so he might be a late addition to this class and, uh, yeah, wide receiver. Okay. Well, uh, still adding names to the 2020 class, even if they are walk-on. I guess I'll take <laughs> it, especially if they're walk-on. If they just want to, yeah. you know, not take up a scholarship but maybe exactly. provide something, then yep. uh, I'm here for that. Mm-hmm. Um, any other news? I think... We had quite a bit there to talk about. Anything else that I'm missing that you can think of? I think that covers see. it. See if there's any uh, anything worth talking about here on Twitter. No, I think uh, I think we're good. The Mizzou uh, social media accounts have been trying to fill the void with just uh, 
you know, kind of flashbacks and stuff. I saw the uh, Matty Mock, the legendary Matty Mock truck in the Minnesota Defender in the uh, Citrus Bowl from a few years ago. They're just they're just trying to make people happy by just putting uh, nice memories into the timeline while everybody's uh, quarantined. Oh, here's a little bit of news. Uh, we just can't stop talking about Josh Christopher every single week. <laughs> it looks like he has added USC, uh, that is Southern California, into his top, what was his top four, now top five. So he put out a graphic kind of with a X over Kentucky from the previous top five and now has the USC logo there. So just when we thought maybe we're, you know, we might, reportedly maybe be 10 days away from him committing he actually expanded his list so man i'm not gonna lie this this man likes the drama i'm i'm not gonna lie and it's so funny that he literally i've never seen that anything like that before where he actually physically marked out like another school and and then put the new school over them because it's just like seems a little uh yeah i don't know i mean if if he goes to USC after all of this, that'll just be like, I don't know, one of the most bizarre recruitments that I've seen in a while. For sure. Uh, yeah, imagine gosh. if he just didn't even go to USC. I mean, uh, like, why do you even add them at this point? I I know that's that's what gets me scared as a Mizzou fan is like, why why like, I don't know if he's this close to deciding. It's you know, so we always late. talk about we always talk about players having already known. You know, well before they actually make their decision, and for him to add a school publicly this late in the process, as a Mizzou fan, it's got me scared. Like the only reason he would add them is because he's going to go there. I don't even like. I just I think that he's kind of fallen off my radar at this point because I just know we don't really have a shot. And honestly, <laughs> I'd probably rather see. I think I saw that. Uh, I just I just literally just thought of this that. Uh, one of USC's best players declared for the draft recently. Um, so I wonder if that spot opening up had anything to do with his decision. Um, I don't know, but I think I'd probably rather see him go to USC or like Arizona state than Michigan, to be honest. Yeah. I don't probably really know why, too. but well, if you're, uh, if you're over the cr- recruitment and I'll, if you're, you know, just done with it, then I'll, I'll try to just only bring it up once a week. Oh, and, and... <laughs> no, you're good, man. We we got to talk about him until he commits yeah. and is out of and is out of Missouri's like chances for sure. Then we we got to keep talking about him if there's updates. If he adds a sixth team next week, uh, I just won't say anything. We'll just <laughs> we'll just breeze right by it. All right, uh, I think that's it for the news. Then uh, we don't have a big segment here uh, to talk about, but I sent you Kyle and producer Cameron this. I don't know why I've never mentioned it on the podcast before, but it's kind of a random spreadsheet uh, table document that I started working on, I think probably in like 2015. And I kind of took inspiration from Rock M Nation's uh, scholarship graphic. So they have this uh, well-known over there scholarship graphic that kind of keeps track of the outlook and situation for the team uh, for the upcoming years and I kind of used that as inspiration and then put a little bit of a tweak on it to give even more information and um, producer Cameron I think you have the ability uh, to pull that up on your end 
uh, yep, so we can take a look at it. Quick for you. I'm enjoying and watching so, uh, producer Cameron's like poster like flail around behind him. It like <laughs> fell off the wall. Oh, I keep hearing noise. I keep hearing noises outside my headphones. On. I think someone's trying to get in my window or something. It's just the poster falling. Down. <laughs> it's hanging on for dear life. And the poster we got at the last game that we went to, and it doesn't want to stay up. Probably doesn't help that I tried to put it over a picture I already had. <laughs> <laughs> so I got kind of creative with this table, and I used uh, some color coding to note the class that each player was in. And I did this going all the way back to um, the Elite Eight team uh, in 2008-2009 uh, with Damari Carroll and... Uh, so that'd be English, Denman, Bowers, freshman seasons. And so we've got this pulled up here now. I think everybody will be able to see it on YouTube. Um, if you're listening, just go on over to YouTube and you'll be able to see what we're talking about. Um, it's color-coded based on the, the year or the class that each player is in. And then also the blue players' um, names are ones that completed all four years of eligibility at Mizzou. So that does not include a player like Damari Carroll who transferred from Vanderbilt but finished his career there. It would only include a player like Matt Lawrence who went through all four uh, years of eligibility at Missouri. And then also the green names are ones that left early to pursue a professional basketball career and then the red ones are players that were either dismissed or transferred from the team before their eligibility was up. Um, so I thought maybe we could just kind of look at it and I've used it over the years to kind of maybe track trends. It's now long enough. It's you know from 2008-9 season all the way through uh, this most recent season that just completed. So it's now finally long enough to where you can maybe see some trends and see you know some of it's kind of obvious of what goes into us uh, you know creating continuity in a program um, but was there anything that kind of stood out to you Kyle and if we mentioned something uh, just let producer Cameron know and we'll zoom in on that section I think honestly the first thing I mentioned uh, to you when we briefly looked at this before we started recording was there's some names on this transfer list that I don't even recognize the first three on the list there on the transfer tracker uh, looks like we got Tyler Stone Miguel uh, Miguel Paul and John Underwood. I don't. I've never heard of any of those three names, which is crazy. Obviously, I've heard of everybody after that, but uh, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, uh, Miguel Paul was on. the only one. Yeah, he was the only one that really had much playing time at all. Uh, Tyler Stone and John Underwood were both uh, big men. Uh, funny story about Tyler Stone. He uh, we played Simo while he was there. Um, later after this or after he transferred and he was like the star of the show at SEMO um, when they came to Mizzou Arena at that time um, producer Cameron if you could scroll up to just showing the teams there um, early on yeah and something that stands out to me when you look at this you know this first section from 0809 through 1314 so that's uh two seasons of Mike Anderson and four seasons, uh, sorry, three seasons of Mike Anderson and three seasons of Frank Haith. And what stands out to me is plenty of blue. So players that are staying in the program uh, for all four years of eligibility. 
and then the red being for the most part kept to the bottom of the team. So we've got the starting, the most common starting five at the top, and then the bench um, are are shown in the order of minutes played that season. So the red being sort of kept towards the bottom of the team. And then uh, producer Cameron, if you go on down the timeline to the right, you start to see <laughs> not much blue and the red is starting to creep up into the starting lineup when you got players like Jonathan Williams, Wes Clark, Naaman Wright, and then just this huge, uh, it's red, but it's a black hole um, in the Kim Anderson and then that first year of um, Conzo Martin, just so many players transferring or being dismissed from the team. And it's just that three-year span just has so many names in red. And then uh, the last thing that I'll point out, let you talk, Kyle, is Ryan Rosberg there in the middle, the only person that completed four years of eligibility at Mizzou from 2014 to 2018. So five full seasons there and one player that did all four years at Mizzou. Yeah, I mean, there's honestly so much to take in um, when you look at a, a visual like this, but it is a good visual representation um, of just what the last few years have looked like. And it's crazy to think that there's so few players who have, you know, and, and this is, you know, a decade's time or maybe even a little bit more. Um, we, we probably only have six or seven guys that have completed their Missouri career from start to finish um, at Mizzou. So that it's just it's crazy to think uh, how few guys are in that little blue category. Um, and that the last, you know, three guys that we've had, Ryan Rosberg, Kevin Perrier, and Reed Nico, um, important guys on their teams, but, you know, nobody that's, you know, just a star player or anything like that. Um, so it definitely, you know, this this is a good representation of, of the struggles that we've had um, the last few years because I think that especially a program like Missouri just has to, build a successful program around those kind of players yeah and and you're exactly right even those three guys that are the most recent ones to you know have play their full four years at mizzou you know they weren't you know they weren't the star of the show by any means and you know you look at the most recent the most recent season uh torrence watson well i guess uh let me see here. Jeremiah Tillman and Mitchell Smith uh, will be the next ones to have that opportunity to be blue on my uh, chart here and complete their eligibility for Mizzou. And it seems like, you know, that first year under Conzo Martin, you know, plenty of uh, uh, two transfers and a dismissal, but still kept out of the starting lineup for the most part. You know, if Terrence Phillips plays the whole season, you know, maybe the starting lineup looks a little bit different, but you know, adding those blue players back in that are staying the full four seasons and limiting those transfers to the bottom of the roster, you can start to see how we will be on track to continue that continuity and hopefully get the thing will come full circle and we'll be back to the same place we were, you know, at the beginning of the decade when uh, we were just seeing excellent continuity and Missouri was in the NCAA tournament every single year. Yeah, it, it's just kind of a cycle, and I mean, it even goes into recruiting. I think that whenever, you know, you can boast that you've had some incredible continuity, it definitely helps recruiting, um, and so, I don't know, it's just, 
especially, I mean, look at 2015 and 16. Literally, yeah. half the roster is transferred out and or not like four-year players. Um, yeah, funny, funny you should mention that season uh, because I've got behind me right here a few guys that were looking over me this episode. And here we have uh, Naaman Wright, Jonathan Williams, Jakeen and Gant, uh, Techie Gil Caesar, Wes Clark, uh, D'Angelo Allen, Tremaine Isabel. Those guys all transferred. <laughs> That's so many names from one team that were scholarship players that all left. And that, you can't overstate the setback losing basically an entire large recruiting class plus plus a few more you can't overstate the effect that has on a basketball program yeah I mean just looking at that team that was not a good team <laughs> the no, record also, of, of 10 and 21 shows that for sure but man yeah, 3 and 15 in conference but also there's pieces there I mean and I think maybe we'll uh we'll do a kind of a rewriting Mizzou history, uh, Mizzou basketball history before too long, where we look at maybe some what ifs. I mean, you look just back a few years earlier where Phil Pressey, Jordan Clarkson, and Jabari Brown all left before their eligibility was up. Uh, three players in two seasons. They were all starters, obviously. And Frank Haith leaving uh, for Tulsa. Obviously, we know the uh, administration didn't want to extend him at that time. So, the writing was kind of on the wall there. So there's definitely a what if that if um, maybe if those guys stick around and have a little bit different situations um, and Frank Haith is still the coach, I think that would maybe be a fun what if to do and maybe try to figure out what their record would be in that situation. But, you know, he, he had the recruiting and transfer train rolling with um, that recruiting class and even the one before that with Wes Clark and Jonathan Williams and Torin Jones, where they were set up to be at least moderately successful through what ended up being the Kim Anderson era. Yeah, I, I feel like that was kind of like the beginning of uh, when transferring in college basketball really started to take off, too, just in general. Um, you know, the, the amount of players that we see transfer these days, I don't, I don't, not sure that was always the case, but um, definitely uh, Coach Haith took advantage uh, I guess if you want to call it that of uh, of getting a lot of transfers on the roster and um, guys that had experience at other schools and some were very impactful you know it's, it's kind of amazing that he was able to get talents like Jordan Clarkson and Jabari Brown at Missouri uh, you know I guess and they kind of came from opposite ends of the spectrum where Jabari Brown was uh, you know like a five-star player coming out of high school and didn't really play very much at Oregon and then ended up at Missouri and then Jordan Clarkson uh, if I remember correctly, was at Tulsa and not yep. very highly ranked and um, kind of moved up in the world, and they ended up just kind of coming together at Missouri. But I agree that um, it might have been interesting to see what those two guys could have done together um, if they had another year, if they would have stayed, because I think there was definitely some off-the-court stuff going on that was clearly a distraction to them um, at the time. But uh, it was still a pretty fun season. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, maybe we'll dive into that a little bit more on a on a what if and kind of rewrite history there, uh, just for fun. 
but uh, yeah, I just wanted to kind of put this out there and, and let you guys have it, and um, it can be kind of just a reference. You know, we may refer to it from time to time, um, and I'll obviously keep updating it and, and bring it back eventually, and we'll kind of uh, be tracking the continuity as we go. But uh, for some reason, oh yeah, well I was just filling it out with uh, the most recent results of the season. I was like, oh, I don't think I've ever shared that with uh, with Cameron and Kyle. So, well, and, thank you uh, for since sharing. We don't, we, since we don't have any games to talk about, I thought, hey, we might as well we might as well uh, show the audience. That's some good data. Yeah, that transfer tracker, man, that list is getting pretty long. And also, if you'll notice, Cameron, if you can go back over there real quick, uh, how many players? There's, a, you know, a few that have transferred twice. And actually, C.J. Roberts and Blake Harris, they're still listed as Texas Tech and NC State, but they're neither one of them are – they still have eligibility, and they're no longer with either one of those programs. So uh, potentially there's going to be another school next to both of their names. And then you look at, like, um, Terrence Phillips and K.J. Santos, no team next to them, and I don't think there ever will be because they're – I think their basketball careers were over when they transferred from Missouri. So, you know, there is a uh, – when you talk about transfers, there's a, you know, there's a stigma. You don't want too many transfers out of your program. And I think maybe some people are giving uh, coach Martin a hard time with some of the players that he's lost uh, to transfer. But, you know, when they go to really solid programs like Texas tech and NC state and can't make it work there either, then maybe it wasn't as much a Conzo Martin problem. Um, and then on the flip side, when you have a player like, obviously the one that sticks out the most is Jonathan Williams on the other extreme, who goes to Gonzaga and is just you know, a perfect marriage, and he's able to he possibly could have been at the collegiate level and actually end up playing for the Los Angeles Lakers at one point. You know that's a situation where you kind of feel like, you know he he was not the problem in that in that situation. Yeah, it's a good point. And yeah, some of these guys, it's a little bit too early maybe to speculate on, but you know, I think you could probably figure out which guys um, were probably the problem and not the coach's problem. But sometimes just things don't work out. And we've talked about it a little bit the last you know month or so that um, there's a lot that goes on. Um, you know, we, we just watch, we just turn on ESPN or SEC Network and watch the game and that's all we see into the lives of these guys sometimes and there's a lot more to it than what we see on the court and there's a these guys are with each other 24 7 um you know in practice and whatever um roommates a lot of the time yeah so you know there's a lot of time off the court to uh to gel or to not gel yeah. so yeah well now you're gonna have a leg up when we do our uh where are they now segments because <laughs> you've kind of got the cheat sheet here Well, I think that's basically all I had for everybody. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we can figure out a way to maybe put this out on Twitter as an image or something if it's uh, clear enough for people to look at. But um, yeah, I think I think that's pretty much all the info I had. Yeah, hopefully uh, you guys are doing all right in quarantine still, or if you're still going to work. I'm sure there's there's some of you out there that are doing that. Obviously, uh, Cameron, you're still going to work, so. Um, just appreciate you guys still tuning in and listening uh, during some interesting times so hopefully this can uh, just maybe bring you some relief or give you something else to think about for a little while and um, if you think of any content that you want us to talk about or whatever the case is just reach out to us on Twitter and 
uh, I'm sure that this is definitely a time of year where we're looking for for things to talk about for sure. So, yeah, any uh, questions or just uh, Mizzou opinions you want to hear? Um, a Mizzou related or non related uh, would you rather segment? Uh, anything <laughs> that you anything that you want to throw out there, we'll uh, we'll give it a shot. Yep. All right. You can find this. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're on YouTube. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter at Missouri. No, we're at, we're on Twitter at Missouri Sports Pod, and you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. Be sure to uh, navigate over to YouTube to look at that beautiful chart that we were referencing. Yes, absolutely. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at c underscore albert wait. Thank you everyone for listening. Uh, we will see you next week. Uh, everyone, say bye to Kim. Everyone say bye to Cameron's poster that fell down.